0: an elder responsibility, and then there's a member responsibility. But together, we work together to bring the gospel to this community. And so we started with our vision. Our vision statement is this. We serve all people we engage with, authentic relationships, compelled by grace and truth through Jesus Christ. That we are people that are compelled. In our vision statement, we believe that it's an overall, arching vision for the church, for the body, that there is no new vision that I or Casey or Joe has had within the Scripture, that we're not bringing forth a new vision, that the Scripture is complete. But from the Scripture, there's a vision, and we believe that all churches can say this. We believe that all churches can engage people with authentic relationships that are compelled by Jesus Christ to bring truth and grace to them. And so that's our vision. That's our mountaintop. That's where we want to be. We want everyone to experience the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Our mission is this, is to cultivate relationships that produce stories of grace in everyday life. Each and every one of you have a story. And it's a story of grace. And God will use your small story in His bigger story. In the picture that will bring glory to Him. And so we want to challenge you to look within and to cultivate that story, to make ready, that word cultivate, to make ready your story to share it to bring glory to God the Father. Amen? And so that's our mission here at the Oaks. Covenant, last week we looked at eldership. And that word elder or overseer or pastor, it all intertwines. And so as an overseer of a local church, this is our challenge. Elders are men entrusted with knowing, protecting, leading, equipping, and caring for the corporate body and her individual members. We care for you. We want to be shepherds that smell like our sheep. We talked about that last week. We want to smell like you. We don't want to be standoff. We don't want to be where we're not approachable. But we want to be men that lead by example, just as Paul has said. Don't follow me because of me, but follow because of Christ in me, the example that I lead. And he challenges the church to do that because he was living a life that glorified who God was. So he wasn't boasting in but he boasted in him and in Christ within him because he was being that example. So we want to be that example, church. And I challenge you just like I did last week, look at our lives, evaluate our lives. I know I made a joke last week, but if I'm coaching a t-ball team, go ask someone in the stands, you know, is that guy a jerk or what? You know, what's he doing? Is it, who, what's he all about? We want to know because we want to lead an example within our community. It's not about these four walls right here. This is a place where we gather together as the church and we worship and we lift up who God is. But we don't stay here. We move outside these walls. We take what is within us, that Christ in us, and we give it to a community that is in dire need of it. And so we want to be that example. We want to set forth as elders, as men that are in charge of shepherding this church and leading by example. And so we believe that plurality of eldership That plurality of elder is best harmonized throughout the New Testament. And we believe that it promotes a plurality of eldership. And that's what we are. That's how we're based. It's not about one person. It's not about one individual and how we can build up self. But it's about how we can lead with plurality and build up Christ. Because Christ is our chief shepherd. Now this week, members. You got your big sheet? Pull it out. Members, one of the Oak's greatest convictions is that the church membership should be meaningful. We believe it should be meaningful. We believe that we want you to know what you're getting into. We don't want you to come because Joe's a good singer. He's not that great, I promise. No, I'm just kidding. He's a good singer. But we don't want you to come because of that. We don't want you to come because I'm a halfway decent speaker. We want you to come because you know who we are and you want to partner and link arms with us to bring the Gospel to this community. It's simple. It's simple. I love that line in the song we just sang, Jesus, my clarity. God, how true is that? When things don't sit well with us, and we're trying to figure and ponder at what's going on in life, Jesus, that's it. He's my clarity. I can look into the Scripture and I can find peace. I can find joy. I can find comfort. Knowing that He is sovereign and in control. And so we want Jesus to be our clarity, and we want you to have a meaningful church membership, so that we can join arms and link together. Therefore, we believe it is important to covenant together as a church family, and as members of the Oaks, we affirm that the covenant, uh, we affirm this covenant with one another by God's grace, for the growth and ultimately for the glory of the Triune God. Uh, this is what we believe. This is a, what I'm reading here. You'll see in a minute. It's in the back. It's our our church covenant. I'm taking straight from there. I know I gave you a paper, but we'll combine it for you so you don't have too much homework to do. We got scripture law related to that, but this is our covenant. I'm reading it to you. What we believe. And so this morning we're going to look at it. We have eight obligations that we believe uh, for members when we enter into the covenant. First one A. We're going to start at the top. It says baptized regenerate community that makes disciples we want those to be together we're not separating those two it's not just you're regenerated you've come to know christ god has saved you come join us we want that we need believers that's what this is about believers that will go forth and make disciples we don't want you to sit stagnant we want you to be a people that works for the Gospel. We want you to be like Paul who says, I labor, and that word "labors" means that I work to the point of exhaustion. And today you will experience that at work day. Hopefully. But you will work to the point of exhaustion for the Gospel. For the Gospel's sake. We don't want you to come and sit and take up a chair. We want you to partner with us. And so it says this, I'm just going to read through it and you can follow along. Having been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what John says in chapter 6:44. It says, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And then in Romans 9:10, uh, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And from with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And so you have been bought with divine grace to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to the surrender of lives to Him. And having been baptized by immersion, is born again. And Look at John 3.3. You don't have to look. Just note John 3.3. I have it all in the back for you, I promise. It's going to be a lot of Scripture. You don't have to keep up. No Bible drill today. Uh, Jesus answers and he says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that word immersion, don't get stuck on it because we, we believe that it is the ultimate picture, that you are submerged into the water, but we also believe that if you don't, that's not, you're not going to hell. It's okay, I promise. You know, there's other options out there. We just believe this is the best representation of what Christ would want from us as a body. If you're in the hospital and you're sick and you want to be baptized, well, we'll throw some water on you. You know, or we'll figure it out. And it's okay, I promise. But we believe that the greatest picture of this is that we want to bury you with Christ and we want to raise you to a newness of life. And so we believe that in baptism. And he goes on to say, Christians, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, we covenant with one another as one body in Christ to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among all Nations, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, and it says, "...Jesus came and He spoke unto them, saying, "...All authority has been given to Me in heaven and earth." So if all authority has been given to Him in heaven and earth, and He lives within us, we have every authority to go and share the Gospel. Amen? That's what, we, that's what Colossians 3 says. Christ lives within us. And so He says, "...All authority has been given to Me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. It's twofold. Don't just baptize them and send them. Baptize them and teach them. Love them. Serve them. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with you. It's done. Just be faithful. Be obedient. He's walked before you. And so this is what we, when we say a baptized, regenerate community that makes disciples... We want you as Christians to not be snagged. And we want you to come, join with us, partner with us to make disciples. So to be a member, we believe you must be baptized, you must be regenerated, and that you've got to make disciples. B says this, worship together regularly around the Scripture and the Lord's Supper. Together we will draw near to God in worship. Uh, Acts two forty-two. we know it, we love it. And we will delight in God, uh, and we will delight in the glory of God. Psalms 37, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will do it. Depend on the presence of God and grow in the knowledge of God. So it says, we delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, and grow in the knowledge of God. And First uh, Colossians 1 says this, for this reason, since the day we have heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spirit, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respect, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the obtaining of all steadfast and practice, joyously. Give thanks to the Father. Who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? I love it. I could teach all day in this passage. He has qualified you, He has made you ready to walk in a, a way that is worthy. And that word walk, if you don't know in its original language, it it's an action. It means that we continue to walk, that's an everyday thing. And so we walk in the Lord, that we walk and grow in that understanding and that knowledge. And so we delight in the glory of God, depend on the presence of God, and grow in the knowledge of God by submitting to the Word of God in all matters of life as the all-sufficient authority in our lives and in His church. Together we will hold fast to the hope we profess. We will practice regularly in the Lord's Supper. And as we reverently and joyfully remember the past works of Christ's atoning sacrifice, celebrate the presence of Christ as the Mediator who lives to intercede for us at the Father's right hand and, and anticipate the future return of Christ as King of kings. And I love this scripture, Revelation 19, 11, 16. It says, And I saw in heaven open and before a white horse, and he sat, at it, uh, sat on it and called uh, faithful and true, and the righteousness he judged and waged war. His eyes, his his eyes were as flames and fire, and his head as many um, diadems, and he... And he has a name written on him which has no other name except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in the heaven, clothed in the fine linen, white and clean, were following him on a white horse, and from the mouth a sharp sword, so that it was he may strike down the nations. And he will rule with a rod and a rod of iron. and he treads in the winepress and the fierce of God, the Almighty. And on the robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will return, and we must celebrate that together. We worship together. C says this, disciples care for one another in large and small groups. This is our challenge, I think, church. I think when we look at this, when we think of this, that we want to care We want you to care for each other, but we don't want you to be the spiritual police, you know, the guy that rubs everybody the wrong way. You know, we call him our spiritual sandpaper around here. We just love him to death, but he shapes and molds who we are. Uh, So we don't want you to be that guy, but we do want you to really care for people. We want you to care for your brothers and sisters. We love in Scripture the one-anothers. If you look throughout Scripture, there's so many one-anothers in there, and we can do a word study on that. But we are to take care of one another, encourage one another, love one another, serve one another. And so in small groups and large groups, and this is what we say, the gospel creates, and see, it says the gospel creates community. We are committed to live life together and challenge one another to grow as disciples of Christ. We are committed to live out the gospel as its implications for everyday life. Together we will spur one another on to love and good deeds. We will meet with one another consistently in small groups and actively participate in corporate gatherings of the local church. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, we will also pray for one another regularly and serve one another selflessly. And I love what this scripture says. It says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as it is habit for some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that word stimulate means to stir someone or something in you. So it says that we are to let us consider how to what? To stir in one another. To stir in one another your strengths, your talents, and your gifts to glorify God. That we can encourage you. And that when we assemble together, that word to assemble means a collective, that we're a collective group of people that have different talents and different gifts that can all together glorify who God is. So we want you to care for each other, and to encourage means to comfort, warn, and strengthen. So disciple and care for one another in large and small groups. That's our goal. That's what we want to be. We want to be a people that loves each other in the small settings and in the big settings, and that we encourage each other and that we spur on each other to share the gospel in love. D is this, submit to the leadership of the church. We will cooperate with, submit to, and prayerfully support the leaders of the pastors or elders who have been entrusted by God to serve and care for, his, for this body by teaching the word of Christ to us and modeling the character of Christ before us. We will seek the guidance of our elders in small groups in major life's decisions hebrews 13 says this this is what we talk about when you hear me say i want to smell like my sheep i want to be a part of my sheep why because we are responsible for our sheep look what hebrews 13 says it lays it out so beautiful verse 7 remember those who lead you who spoke the word of god to you and consider the result of their conduct. imitate their faith jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever And then he goes on to say this in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls and those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. We care for you. We love you. We want to be a part of who you are. And we mean that. When you suffer, we suffer. When you stress, we stress. When you ache, we ache. Because we want to be that shepherd that seeks our people, that shepherds our people. We don't want to be in our upper room per se. And you can't feel like you can't come to us. But we want to be a people, a leader, that when we give an account, we can honestly say we know You. And so we want to know You. Submit to the leadership. Pray for us as we seek to guide You, as we seek to be that example, as we seek to give the Word with clarity. E, good stewardship. All right, here we go. I spent, y'all can laugh, it's okay. Good stewardship. We covenant that we will give cheerfully, regularly, and generously to support the church, the relief of the poor, and to spread the gospel both in, the, in our city and through all nations. We affirm that we will give our spiritual gifts, times, resources, and money in a sacrificial manner, consistent with the gospel and for its purpose. So we think of tithing or giving. There's no better place to turn than 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Really, you could read both chapters, it's just beautiful chapters. We're just going to hone in on one verse. In chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Now this I say, He who has sown sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who has sown bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that all, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. This is our heart: is that you give cheerfully. We're not a church that wants you to send your, um, your. Um, your check to us so we can do the percentages and figure out what you're giving and then condemn you later. No, we're not that church. We just want you to give cheerfully of your time, money, resources, and talents. That's what we ask. And you've done faithful. You've been faithful. And every week I'm just more surprised of how faithful you guys are. And so we love that. There's not a percentage base. There's, there's nothing. We're not looking to, whether if you don't put it or not. We don't have a camera up waiting to see if you're putting your tithe. None of that. None of that. We believe that if God has changed your heart, then He will, in that word compulsion, He will give you a desire to give where giving is needed. Whether it's time, whether it's money, it's resources, whether it's service. But do it with a cheerful heart. Do it to glorify God. F. Display God's glory through unity and discipline. We'll start with unity. Unity, together we will seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We affirm that we, that we are God's church and not our own. Therefore, our, presence, our uh, preference, needs, and desires are secondary to the mission and the vision of the church. Let me read that again. We affirm that we are God's church, not our own. Therefore, our preference, needs, and desires are secondary to the mission and the vision of the church. Part of maintaining unity and peace means that we will adhere to the Oaks' basic beliefs, and we will not—I'm uh, sorry, I lost my slide—and we uh, and will not be device, uh, devices over the Oaks' theological distinctives laid out in the Articles of Belief. You will have that today. That's in the back. We put that if you want to grab it, take it. What we're trying to say here, first of all, the first part of this is that that your preference should be Jesus when you walk in that door. When you walk through those doors, the expectation is Jesus. We want to glorify Him. We want to join and partner with people who love Jesus, only Jesus. We sang it this morning. That's what we want to partner with. We get it. There's logistics. There's things we need to do. But we're not going to bother whether Joe sings better than I do. He does. Uh, so we're not, going to, we're not going to fight over that, and we're not going to worry about, oh, well it's Sunday morning, Jason's singing, I'm not coming. We don't want that. We want to come and say, it's it's Sunday morning, we're worshiping God. And those lyrics and the words we're singing, if we're not singing them in vain, they mean the same no matter who's leading or who's speaking. If the Word of God is going forth, that's what we want, that's what we desire from you as members and as people. And I love it. This is what Ephesians 4, 1-5 says, "...therefore I, prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called with all humanity..." humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent in preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. We want unity. We strive for unity. Discipline. We will humbly and gently confront one another and receive correction from one another in accordance with the New Testament understanding of church discipline and restoration. We will submit to and prayerfully support the leadership of our pastors and elders as they seek to observe, oversee discipline among our church. Matthew 18 is just a great example and an accurate biblical picture of how we walk through church discipline. Note it, you can write it down. Hopefully the challenges of this week, you'll look at it. And we kind of looked at it a little bit last week when we talked about elders and discipline in the church. But This week, look at Galatians 6.1. It says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespassion, you who are spiritual, restore such... One, restore such a one in spiritual and spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted i love this you who are spiritual this is where we must remove that preference we don't want to take our spiritual convictions and put it on someone else we want to be biblical we want to be biblical in our discipline And so when we talk about keeping each other accountable, there's a point when you need to come to us as pastors. And we talk about it in our small groups. What's in our small group, what's talked about in our small group, amongst our women, amongst our men, stays there. We're not a church that's going to gossip and do certain things. We want to build trust between each other. And if that lady wants to share it with someone else, she will. But if she shares it with you, keep it between you. Men, same way. Keep it between each other. Because this brings unity. It doesn't bring division. I know we're so quick to want to chatter. We have Facebook, Twitter, all that cool stuff. And we want to blow it out there and just let everybody hear it. Not when it comes to the spiritual side of life. So we want to keep that in-house. But also to say that, that, that you who are spiritual, this is speaking of those who are mature in their spiritual, in their spiritual um, walk with the Lord. If you haven't been in the Word for like 10 years and then you're going to try to discipline someone, I would just advise you not. I've asked you to seek counsel. Come to us as pastors. If it's something in your small group or your home group, bring it before us. But this is huge. This is huge. You can't take your convictions and push it on someone else. All right? There's only one Holy Spirit. And we're going to seek the Word and we're going to take the Word and we're going to use the Word to discipline in the right manner and not what feels right to Jason, not what feels right to Casey or Joe or anyone in this room. It's got to be biblical. It's got to be biblical. Gee, Christian growth. We've got two more, I promise. I think I've kept it under two hours. Two more. Here we go. Christian growth. We affirm our responsibility to grow in Christ and His gospel through the consistent practice of spiritual disciplines such as prayer, fasting, scripture reading, worship, and others. We affirm by the aid of the Holy Spirit to exercise our Christian liberties uh, with responsibility remembering that because, because of the gospel we have Special obligations to lead a new and holy life. Issues such as cohabitation, extramarital sex, homosexuality, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, etc., are not consistent with the special obligations to lead a new and holy life. This is where we have those spiritual, uh, those freedoms, those liberties. And we trust that if you are in the Word of God, we trust that when we talk about our measures, that if you are devoted to the Word of God, that we trust that the Spirit is leading you. And we're not going to be the spiritual police of your life and convict you and condemn you when we don't know where you are in your life. So we want to be those teachers that get to know you and to shepherd you through things and, give you and teach you responsibility in liberties and in freedoms. And not to abuse them, but to use them to, get to live a holy life. Okay? That's what we're about. I love that line. If nothing else sticks out to you, understand that line. It says, Christian liberties with responsibility. We want to help you exercise those, but with responsibility. Because there's a bigger picture than who you are and what you think about those freedoms and those liberties. There's Christ. And He ultimately needs to be glorified. So we don't want to micromanage your life, but we want to develop you to be a godly man and woman, that lead your home in a responsible way with your liberties and your freedoms. H, Gospel-Centered Families. This is where we'll end. It says, We will uh, endeavor to build Gospel-Centered Homes. Husbands will seek to lead their wives and uh, and children sacrificially as Christ leads the church, meaning husbands are ready to lay down their lives for their families. Wives will seek to submit to their husbands as the church does to Christ. As parents, we will raise the children under our care and in the nature and in motion to the Lord by the, and by the, a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. We want to be gospel-centered. We want men to lead their homes. We want men and women to partner together to lead their homes that are God-centered. And this is what Ephesians 5 says, and we'll just read through it. I love where Paul starts. He says, therefore, he starts here, he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. You have to start there first. You have to understand your position first. That we are created as God's children. Once we understand our position, we can understand the next positions to come. It says we must imitate God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And now look, verse 22 says this, Wives, be subjected to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife and as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. And then Paul goes on to say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor your father and mother, which is, at, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live a long, a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have roles. Our first role, our first position is sons and daughters of God, of a living, breathing God that loves you. So, imitate his life. Walk as Christ walks. Then, husbands, love your wives like, like Christ loved the church that he died for. Women, submit to your husband. And it's a partnership that you are together. It's not separate. No one's in front or behind the other. But we are separate. We are together. We are one. And we lead. And we lead our children. And our children, I love it. Our children bring this is a little side note, and I'll, I'll end. But our children really can glorify God. It's so cool, I never thought of that, but when we look at that Obey Your Parents at first, my mom would throw that out and I'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know, using the Bible on me here, trying to make me be good, right? But it's so cool, if, if our children honor us, it really brings glory to God. It brings unity to the family, it brings gospel-centeredness to the family, and through your children, God can be glorified. And we don't think of that, we don't, at least I did, not I didn't think that my son Hayden can bring glory to God by observing the way that we teach him and lead him and it's not by anything we do but it's christ living within us and so it's just so neat how he comes home and he's like dad I, can you burn the cd one one thing remains and i'm like how do you know about burning a cd first of all and and the song one thing remains and it's so cool because he wants to take it to class during nap time so that he can play it over the kids while they're sleeping and i'm like it's so awesome that my my kid's thinking about that, and he asked his teacher, and she said, "Sure, bring it. Burn burn you a CD, I guess is what she told him." So he told me that, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll burn a CD." <laughs> but it's so neat that he's just he's he doesn't may he may not know it, but just because of his surrenderance and his worship and our, and our God-centeredness of of family life, he's bringing the gospel to kids already. There that that Jesus' love is being sung over them, and they're getting to hear those lyrics that that one thing remains, that His love will never change, that He loves you, He loves you. And at four or five, six years old, they're hearing this message. So I love it. God can honor you through your family. He will honor you through a God-centered family. So that's our heart. This is Member Covenant. Taking home the challenges just like it was last week. I pray that men and women take this home, sit down with your families, evaluate it, look at the Scriptures that attach to it on this paper. It's not in the back. There is our covenant. There's two things. There's our church covenant, which is last week and this week put together. So you don't have to go try to find last week's. I know you probably got washed in the pocket like mine did. Don't, don't have to find it. It's in the back. Grab one. Our article of beliefs are back there two weeks from now. We're going to walk through that. We're going to walk through what we believe as a church. So take it now. Get ready. Read through it. Look at the Scripture. Evaluate it. We want you to be people that care about your church, that care about this faith family, so that we can partner together in unity and serve this community. Let me pray. Father, we thank You, God, that You've uh, given us Your Scripture, that You've given us a direction, a flawless direction, Father. And I pray that we can uphold it, that we can be men as elders that lead our people, that we can shepherd them in gospel clarity. We can shepherd them by serving them, by loving them, encouraging them, by feeding them, by protecting them. And Father, I pray that the challenge is that if it's stirring within us to be a part of this faith family as we look at It Matters, the series, as we look at our covenant together, as we join and partner together to be a gospel influence, Father, I pray that we take that seriously. And that we go home and we look at these scriptures and we evaluate and we say, is this a place, is this a biblical place that we can do community together to bring the gospel to this world and to this community? God, your word is so good. So good, Father. It's in your name we pray.